Hey guys, welcome back to Caffeine and Crime. Today I have the third part and final part of Kaylee Anthony's case. I do apologize that these are really long. I wanted to go all out for this case because like I said, this is like the first case that really got me into true crime and it is just that one of those cases that really just pulls at my heartstrings. So I dedicated a lot more time to this, to the notes, um, looking into everything, rewatching like the trial and, you know, stuff like that. And also um, recording this and editing it and all of that. And I was hoping to get it in one part and then it went to two parts. And the rest of this episode is actually pre-recorded that you guys are about to listen to from last week. I recorded this with part two so you guys will hear me like maybe talk in a past tense almost because there is two parts before this one so just if I say like I just mentioned I honestly just mean like from part two um, but definitely check out part one and part two if you need a little true crime to binge they're there they're both over an hour long so there's a lot of content and yeah let's go ahead and wrap up this third and final portion. At this point, what Casey and Jose are not expecting is her being arrested for the charges that Amy has against her for stealing money from her. Um, so of course her and Jose are pissed about this. Um, so she is arrested for that. And right afterwards, she is sued by the one and only Zenaida Fernandez Gaz. Gonzalez for pretty much ruining her life. This poor lady couldn't go anywhere without being involved in this and being known as like a baby, you know, snatcher. And because of this, she is suing Casey for that reasoning. And again, go girl, go get her for what it is worth. At this point, um, they think that they have enough on her to go ahead and make her stand trial, even though they do not have a body or any physical um, evidence that Kaylee is dead. So now that the trial is pretty much planned, um, she is going to trial. You guys know the process with that. It takes forever to get going. Um, to fast forward up a little bit, there is tropical storms and hurricane, and it's Florida, guys. So this wooded area where Roy Crunk initially had thought he had found something was completely underwater and flooded. By time that the water had went back down, we are in December and on December 11th, this meter reader was out in the area when this time he confirmed what he saw was a human skull. And he called his supervisor because he was done messing with the police and they called it in and they said, hey, we have a meter reader out. Roy Crunk, he's talked to you guys before, it is a human skull, and you will not believe this, it is at the Anthony around that area. And of course, this woman now, you know, the 911 operator, of course, now is like, oh my god, and I'm not saying it's the same person or not, but it's still like, they all just sound like DMV workers where they have like no time for you whatsoever. And I, I do apologize if you're a DMV worker our DMV workers here where I live are just very shitty and they make you feel like garbage stuck to the bottom of their foot. So that's where I just always 
throw that term out there. This was discovered on December 11th, but of course we would not know that this was Kaylee's body until an autopsy, but the police set it up to where they put Casey in a room where the news was playing about a young child's body being found in this particular spot and what they got on tape was a devastated Casey Anthony hunched over crying. She acts as if she already knows that it's Kaylee even though we don't find out it's Kaylee until a week later when that said autopsy was done. The autopsy reports are very, very sensitive and very hard to talk about. I feel like it is the Chris Watts case all over again. Um, although there was no damage to the actual skeletal remains because that were the only remains left, there was nothing else. Her body had already decomposed down to just skeletal remains. From what they could gather is she was wearing a pair of 24-month shorts um, and a shirt that had glitter letters that said big trouble. There was duct tape wrapped around her head three times from her chin up over to up over her nose. Um, and there was a residue left over where her mouth was at from the duct tape that looked like a heart. So it looked like duct tape was wrapped around her head three times. Um, blocking her mouth and her nose and it looked as though a heart sticker was placed over the mouth which is disgusting and so awful like i said um the autopsy report this person did this autopsy and looked at these remains for over 12 days and during this time it was determined that she was in that outfit with the duct tape on put into a laundry bag and then placed into two large trash bags and thrown like garbage into this wooded area like most people threw their garbage. During this time, her body with this, you know, Florida heat, the humidity, everything decomposed extremely fast down to its skeletal remains, but the remains were scattered all over the place and certain marks on the skeletals made it known that animals had gotten into this bag and had pulled her and scattered her across. Oh, it is so disgusting and so hard to do cases like this. There was no other determination of foul play, although she did say that the body had been out there since the time that Kaylee had went missing because the plant growth in that area were intertwined with her remains, everything. She had been out there for a very long time and through the flooding of the storms and all of that as well. And it was still ruled a homicide because nobody naturally dies with duct tape wrapped around their head three times, covering their mouth and their nose. I want to also add there was no DNA or fingerprints found on the duct tape or the remaining um, items. Um, and as you would know it, this news would be dev very devastating to the family, um, especially the family members who didn't know that this had happened. And that's where I would like to say doesn't make sense how this ends up churning out and we will get there. But on January 22nd of that following year, after the remains were found, George took a bunch of sleeping pills and drove out to a motel and he was reported missing and pretty much a suicide watch. 
I don't understand why somebody who would be involved with something like that would just now be going on a suicide watch and would be that upset over his granddaughter. I know some people like to say that it was because he thought he was busted and that he was going to jail, so he might as well just kill himself. Um, but I beg to differ. I think he was very, very upset about his granddaughter being dead and her remains being found. That is just my opinion. Please do not come for me. You are entitled to your own opinion. I just find it very strange and I don't know. I could see it. I could honestly see it both ways too. Also, there is the suicide letter that was found. It says Cynthia Marie, which is Cindy. As you get this letter, you should be no surprise that I have decided to leave the earth because I need to be with Kaylee Marie. I cannot keep on going because it should be me that is gone from this earth, not her. I have lived many years. I am satisfied with my decision because I have never been the man you, Lee, Casey, and especially Kaylee Marie deserved. I have never been a man any of you could count on. I have always let each of you down in more ways than I could remember. I do not feel sorry for myself. I am just sorry I burden all of you the way I have. My loss of life is meaningless. I cannot be strong anymore. Kaylee Marie, our granddaughter, I miss her. I miss her so much. I know you do too. You were always the one that provided for her. What did I provide? I blame myself for being gone. You know for months, as a matter of fact, for a year or so I brought stuff up, only to be told not to be negative. I sit here falling apart because I should have done more. She was so close to home. Why was she there? Who placed her there? Why is she gone? Why? For months, you and I, especially you, always questioned why. I want this to go away for Casey. What happened? Why could she not be why could she not come to us? Especially you. Why not Lee? Who is involved with this stuff for Kaylee? I'm going crazy because I want to go after these people Casey hung with prior to Kaylee being gone. That is why I got that gun. I wanted to scare these people, you know? They know more than they have stated. You cannot sugarcoat kid glove these people. They need hard knocks to get them info from. Sure, that will not bring Kaylee Marie back. But was Casey threatened? You know, Casey does not deserve to be where she is. I miss her. I miss her so much. I am worried for her. Her personal safety is always on my mind. I cannot function knowing our granddaughter is gone. Kaylee Marie never had a chance to grow. I have taken what meds was given to me with alcohol and I am ready to give up. As I can tell by my writing and thinking, I'm getting very stupid. Wow, what a word, stupid. Yes, I am. Again, I do not feel sorry for myself, but yes, I am stupid. Cannot deal with stuff anymore. The loss of Kaylee Marie, the loss of Casey, the loss of us, Cynthia Marie, the meds, I am ready. Saying goodbye, please understand it is for the best. I do not deserve life anymore, any more us. You know, I never got to say goodbye. I am at this place and all is getting fuzzy and my writing is all over the place. I love you. I love you. I hope you get to see Casey soon. All the people we met, now the writing is getting weird. I love you. I am sorry. I will take care of Kaylee once I get to God. I am so tired. At least I shaved today. Wow, I'm tripping out. I'm sorry. I love you. Cynthia Marie. Kaylee, here I come. So I feel like a grandfather writing that letter is not uh, killing himself because he killed his own granddaughter or he had anything to do with it. Um, I feel like that was the case and he cared so much about Casey. I feel like the suicide letter, knowing good well that he's about to die, I feel like he would have put in this that he had done it and that it was all of his fault to get Casey off the hook. But he did not and he did not die. 
In April of 2009, prosecutors seek the death penalty for Casey Anthony, saying that she used chloroform to relax her daughter, and then she suffocated her with the duct tape, put her body in the bag in the trunk for a few days before putting her body into the woods. Once the autopsy is, like, released, and again, it's, like, released to where the public has access to it, um, they try to take, like, the death penalty, like, off the table, but the judge says, no, we're gonna leave it up to the jurors and let them make that decision once there's, like, a trial. Now, a couple of the women in this jail with Casey were busted, passing, like, notes back to each other, um, Apparently, Casey had formed a relationship with one girl, and they wrote letters back and forth, and then the girl who got the letters didn't want to keep them in her cell, so she was giving them to another cellmate to hold on to them because, you know, it's very, Casey Anthony is very controversial. She didn't want her to get busted with them in her cell, um, even though in the end they were anyways because they talked to each other like they were best friends. Um you know, Casey did write this girl and she was talking to her in this letter about once they get out of here, they're going to dye their hair, they're going to go to Costa Rica, you know, have a good life. And this girl who got the letter sent it to the other girl's cell to hold on to it with another letter that said, this girl is writing about going on vacation. I'm here crying about my kids every single day while I'm in this cell. And that's what's crazy to me because it's just like she still just does not show like any remorse. But there is also letters of her talking about, you know, how she would give up her own life just to have Kaylee for five minutes and, you know, how much she hates that people talk about her being such a bad mom because I really was a good mom. I really wanted to um, just have a break like any mom, um, that type of ordeal. And although I feel like that's more of a confession than her dad's suicide letter. I don't see his suicide letter saying who has done this, who has taken her is saying I'm confessing and I I did it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. He also mentions the people she was hanging around with could have been involved. So I don't see his letter being as like a confession. I feel like if he really was mixing alcohol and pills and taking himself out, if he actually was a part of it, I feel like he would have confessed in that letter and just would be like, I feel too guilty. I'm taking my life. But he didn't. Like he was asking and questioning who did this. So it just does not add up to me whatsoever. And yeah. What I can say about these gel mates that she had, they also went to the media for interviews and stuff and would talk about how she would talk about drugging the baby to put her to sleep so she could go out and party, saying that she would knock her out somewhere, whether that was her car or whatever it may be, and then go to a party. And then when she would come back, Kaylee would still be sleeping and she, they asked her what she used and you know, you have like the, I can't really pronounce it. It's like chloroform, something like that. And it's hearsay. It was never mentioned in the letters. So it's just kind of like, are these people in jail like wanting to say this because they want 
some type of immunity deal or like some type of, and not really even immunity deal because they have nothing to do with this case, but like, do they want extra perks like for their own cases? Or are they trying to like get out sooner? Or are they trying to get just you know, perks being in jail, um, that type of ordeal. So you can't really take their word for it on any of it. Um, but she did explain how she said Casey told her that she would use this has, as she said, chlorofoam, um, on a rag and she would put it over the baby's face to get her to go to sleep and go party. And when she said she would come back, the baby would still be asleep and, um, she would wake up the next day and be fine. So she was like, she did tell me that. So, um, yeah. So that would make you think she did do this and it just went wrong. She overdosed her this time. You would think it adds up, um, to everyone that that is what happened. So I feel like this person in this jail was just like, since everybody already knows that this is true, I think it's true. I'm going to run with it. As the court proceedings are coming up, I wanted to mention that the judge we talked to earlier um, about like Casey Anthony and the truth being strangers and, you know, him and his savage comments, um, he had to step down from the case because apparently he was friends with a blogger who was writing about the case and he... I think it's kind of stupid on his part to mention it because he actually did mention it publicly and said like this blogger is like great like I like how they're you know saying to be very civil about things and you know that type of ordeal which I understand but it's like when you're in like a case like this you should not be like associating with anybody who is going to be biased about anything um so kind of showing that he was of course, they're just like, the defense is going to run with that and be like, look, biased against this case, we have to get him out of here. And he's talking to, you know, he's talking to media people, this blogger, when Jose had been talking to tons of people in the media about her case, trying to make Casey look like a good mom. So it's not fair, but he did step down from the case because it was just like a, you know, whatever. And a new judge came into the picture and that's when we're going to go straight into some of the court proceedings. New judge Belvin Perry Jr. Um, is in the videos where they do the court hearing for like the evidence hearing. And that took place on June 15th, 2010. This is when Cindy Anthony takes a stand and we listen to her 911 calls and she goes, she walks them through the night that she finds out that Kaylee is missing. Um, it's also brought up and mentioned to her how in one of her 911 calls, I believe it was the last one where she's freaking out right before um, George enters and she's saying Kaylee's been missing for 31 days. On the phone, she said, and her trunk her car smells like a dead body's been in it she's trying to now say well I think it was just like a figure of speech I wasn't saying necessarily that it was that just that it stunk really bad but it's like why would you mention that in the first place like if your mind wasn't already going there it doesn't add up and um 
I mean, you said it for a reason. Everybody, that it was obvious how bad it smelled. I mean, cadaver dogs alerted to it. So, like, everybody's already thinking that right now, Cindy. So, like, why try to retract it when, not just that, but it's your granddaughter. Um, and this is kind of where you guys are going to see them care less about Kaylee because it's almost like a what's done is done. Now we need to save the one that's left. So now they're like trying to save Casey when she, and I know it's not like a proven thing, even though we all pretty much know, but for a minute, if they were sitting there thinking like she killed our granddaughter, but I'm going to save her anyways and like really try to help her get out of prison, like it just kind of blows my mind. Regardless, the defense tried to clear this statement and clear the car from the whole thing. And the judge was like, no, like her statement, the car smells like there's been a dead body in it, is staying for the trial. The end of this year, her defense team of attorneys went from four attorneys to six. Um, I think some of them were like pro bono, which like blows my mind. Um, I feel like a lot of them were just kind of wanting in on the case, like because it was such a massive, like, you know, viral thing going on at the time. Um, so they're preparing for that. And then the following year, May 24th, is when the six-week-long trial started. The first day of this trial is, like, the opening statements, which are very, very long and drawn out. I'm going to have tons of links in today's blog, so you guys can check it out there, um, of, like, the trial and all of that kind of get it going. I believe it's all on YouTube and at one point in time I have watched them. What I can say from the opening speech is you might want to speed it up a little bit. It's very, very slow. But um, the whole reason for this, I mean, it's priceless to sit there and see Casey Anthony just like with, it just reminds me of those like bump it commercials where you have like the little um, plastic bump in the front of your hair and you have like that poof going on so picture her with that hairstyle and then like the whole time she just like shakes her head no like she's disagreeing with everything from the opening statement even though these are like facts um but finally when they get into like the rundown even like when they're talking about this baby's body and how she was found there's never any tears from Casey Anthony um it's honestly like so hard to even watch as a mother because I'm like you heartless bitch. You know, regardless of if she even ever did it or not, she actually shows no, like, remorse for being neglectful or any emotion for not having her daughter anymore. And it just drives me insane. Um, but going on from there is they brought up key, like, evidence to back this up. And although they have, like, all this evidence, I mean, there was chloroform found in the carpet of her trunk. Who is going to have chloroform in the back of their car for just some unknown reason? I mean, you tell me that. But this is where they also finally bring up that because the word chloroform was brought up so much, they did a search on the hard drive on the computer in the Anthony's home and found a few different dates the year of Kaylee's death how to make chloroform, other drugs and how to mix them, alcohol, um, quite a few different things on how to make something 
Um, but these searches, you may be thinking, even if it was just like a neglectful thing and this woman is just looking for an out to put her baby to sleep for a longer period so she can go out and get her freedom like she has said. There was also searches about neck breaking and like chemical weapons, like different things like that, that just like blow my mind. Like how, how could you be sitting there thinking that with your child right there? All these searches were done when Cindy was at work and one of the times um, was when George was at work too. So yeah, people may say he did the other searches, but one of the times of one of these searches, the only one home was Casey Anthony. Um, and it's also been brought to their attention that during all of the time on these searches, every single one of them before and after the searches, somebody was accessing MySpace and other accounts in Casey Anthony's password protected accounts, meaning all these searches were done by Casey Anthony while she was scrolling through MySpace, probably looking at parties and thinking, Ooh, what can I do to get my daughter to sleep tonight so I could go to this party? After a recess, they're back at it, and now it's time for the defense to do their opening statement. And Jose is a lot more relaxed, um, more personal, like, you know, going straight into it, like thanking the jurors for being there today and that they mean a lot and that they under or that he understands that they're taking a lot of time out of their, you know life and like day or whatever to be there and how important it is and he's very he's more casual he keeps it very interesting and not even eight minutes into this or maybe it is like a little after eight minutes is when he shocks everyone saying that Kaylee was never missing she was a child of an accidental drowning and that she died on June 16th 2008 drowning in the family pool. He also goes on, instead of like then saying drowned and Kaylee or Casey covered it up, it was like she drowned. Did you know that the number one thing that kids in Florida die of is accidental drowning? And whether this is true or not, it's like don't start giving them statistics on this when it's like if your baby drowned, you're going to cover up her body and then you're going to go out partying and go on with your life like nothing ever happened like no and who if your baby drowns wouldn't you be calling 911 and being like oh my god my kid fell in the swimming pool like I you know I need somebody here it just doesn't all add up to me and just when you think that that is all he's going to put out there he also says how Casey Anthony's father George has been molesting her ever since she was a child and that she would get up and she would go to school the next day, hang out with her friends and act like never, nothing ever happened and just go about her life saying that this was her coping mechanism and it would explain a lot as to how she went on with her life after covering up Kaylee's death. As a victim myself, I'm not going to sit here and say she wasn't. Um, I can say it's very strange that this is just now being brought up because as you guys know, Casey has always been very open about everything. Um, and she also went through the psychiatric like evaluation and they even asked her then if she had ever been molested or hurt in that way. And she said no. Um, so 
it doesn't all add up. It's also, I almost wonder if this was like a bomb being dropped on George Anthony, who is sitting in the courtroom as well. And he looks very disappointed when this is being talked about. So it just really makes you wonder if this was just like a huge cover-up story, which I think 99% of us think so. But it just, again, it just doesn't all add up. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and say she wasn't because she could have. I mean, it happens all the time. So many people are the victim of this awful thing. And, you know, you guys see the world right now. The Save the Children, you know, this happens. This is literally like a billion dollar industry of selling children for these acts and stuff. So I 100% know that it's happening in homes all the time of kids being sexually assaulted and it is awful. So I'm not going to sit here and say that she wasn't, but it was very convenient for them to have this information to drop on everyone in the courtroom the day of the trial and to kind of get the juror's mind away from Kaylee and feel more sorry for Casey. I just want to add this here because I found it very strange that you never hear them bring this up again throughout the entire trial. Just in the opening statements, George actually denies it happening, that it ever happened. Casey says it did. There's obviously no proof. Um, there's usually not proof of stuff like that that's happened, but it's never brought up again in this trial. It was just for the opening statement. So is it like to just mess with the jurors heads then at that moment, you know? Oh, and let me just say, this was the first time that Casey starts crying. So when they're talking about her baby's body being found in the woods and being torn apart and scattered by animals, there is not a tear. But when they start in on the story of an accidental drowning and um, her being molested as a child, then she starts crying. It just, it's almost in a way like an acting because she knows when to get them or to get them going or whatever. And she thinks that would be like a really good timing, which I, I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't really add up. The elephant in the room here is again, the time between when Kaylee died and to the time that she was reported missing and all of Casey's pardoning, partying, all the lies, all of that. That's the elephant in the room and that's what everyone can't understand how she went on with her life and was fine. So he is still trying to play her as the victim saying she went through this, it was so devastating, but she's used to this with the coping mechanism, like that's their way of saying like, that's how she coped with it. Um, just kind of going on with her life. She was such a damaged person that she was able to just kind of go on from there. That's what she was used to. And everybody's situation's different, but I'm a mother and I'm a young mother at that. I had my first son before Casey even had Kaylee. I had my first son at 17. So it's like, I knew the struggles. I went through a lot of sleepless nights, you know? Yeah, there's times where I've been like, man, I would just like to get a break or have a little bit of freedom to, you know, go do something and, you know, have my kids. But those thoughts have never crossed my mind. On a typical person, they don't. And I have a damage, you know, I have damage. I have baggage from my past. And it's like, that doesn't, that's not something that holds me back. 
and I don't understand how that would ever. And if something happened to one of my kids accidentally, I would be a mess. I feel like being the damaged person that I am from my past things would become even worse to where it would just be me shutting down completely. I wouldn't be able to be like, okay, let's go out and party. Like I would be lost. I would be miserable. I wouldn't be able to go on. It just does not add up still. They went on from here to talk about more about what happened that day and how George came to Casey wherever she was at in the house and just started screaming at her saying, where's Kaylee? And that doesn't really make sense because wouldn't you just like come in and be like, hey, where's Kaylee at? You know, and then they'd be like, oh, let's look for her. But no, apparently he came in and just automatically was screaming at her. And then they start looking around the house. They don't find her. So Casey goes out the front door and he goes out the back door and goes straight to the pool area. And by the time Casey gets around the house, he is already standing there with the lifeless Kaylee in his arms. Um, And at that point, he just starts screaming at her saying, look what you've done. Your mom is never going to be able to forgive you and you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. And he's kind of using this in a way of being like, She was terrified. She knew she had to cover it up because her dad terrified her so bad over it. So pretty much just saying like everything is George Anthony's fault. Like Casey did nothing bad in this situation and everybody's blaming her for something that was all George's fault. But it just doesn't make a lot of sense when in every footage that we get from both of her parents, I mean like back at the jail conversations and then between the glass talking on the phones, they're just very like... We are here for you. And him telling her, you are the boss. You know, this is your work. You are the boss. All these people are your employees. You've got this. You know, like it doesn't make sense that he's screaming at her, especially when he just found out that his granddaughter's dead. I mean, you guys, you guys heard me read the suicide letter. He would have been devastated. And if it was my grandbaby or my child, I would be devastated. I wouldn't be sitting there screaming at my son that our baby just drowned in the pool, I would be crying with him. I'd be like, oh my God, you know, and it just does not add up. And I also want to mention here, you guys remember the gel conversations as well of her like not wanting to talk to her mom. She just wanted to talk to her dad. She was like over her mom. But now she's putting all the blame on him and saying like he hurt her when she was little when she all she wanted to do was talk to her dad. She didn't want to talk to her mom. It, it just, it does not add up and I think he was the perfect person because they're like it's going to be his word against hers the mom was working all the time Cindy's not going to come forward and say she was a part of killing this baby she would fight it off a lot more where maybe George would just kind of feel like helpless like it's a man's word against a woman a woman's word so it would be a little bit harder to say like you know I didn't molest my daughter like obviously that's something that's going to be said, but not a lot of people are going to believe that. But are you guys ready for this? So Casey Anthony wants to say that at this point, after her dad's been screaming at her, saying that she's going to go to jail for the rest of her life, her mom's never going to forgive her, Casey looks at her dad and she says, you have to help me. And pretty much from there, um, remember, George used to be a cop. So, you know, he would kind of know, I feel like if she was to go to him and ask him about this, not saying like he was like the best cop ever or whatever, maybe, you know, there's not a lot going on there in that head either. (laughs) But, you know, you would think like 
he if he was actually helping her cover it up it wouldn't be done the way that it was a laundry bag the vinyl bag that Kaylee was found next to um, that they originally put her in was a pair and the other bag was still in the Anthony home. So it leads it back to being them regardless. And a baby that's already dead, you're going to put duct tape over her mouth and a heart sticker on her mouth. It does not make any sense, you guys. And then like the smell in the car, the cadaver dogs smelling the car, how does it make any sense? So you just put her body in there and leave it in there for a while and then you go and you dump it. Also, again, being a cop, like you would know that accidents do happen. And all of these, like the number one way children die in Florida are from drowning in a pool. Do you think all of those parents go to prison? For the rest of their life because their kid accidentally drowned. I'm sure there's cases of neglect and I don't really know all about it or how far it goes on if people do serve any time on these type of grounds. But him being an ex-cop, you think you'd be like, this happens. This is an accidental thing. Like, you're not going to go away for this, but we still are never going to see Kaylee again and it's devastating. But no, they're trying to say like he just told her she was going to go to prison for the rest of her life, pretty much. Um, when in reality, no, you can go to prison for the rest of your life um, by tampering with the death of your kid and hiding it. And uh, oh, this case infuriates me. Jose also tried to say that it was also the police's fault because apparently Cindy Anthony had reported that somebody might have been in their pool. You guys remember the last day she had Kaylee was on Father's Day and that day after visiting her father in the nursing home, they came home and they swam. But she was very, very strict about the pool, about getting the ladder out, about closing like the gate or whatever that was on the pool. However, to close it off pretty much um, to where Kaylee could never go and get in the pool by herself. So apparently sometime after that, she reported it to the police that she thought somebody was swimming in their pool because the gate was open and the ladder was down it on the police though or the detectives working the case when Cindy apparently had told them like the gate was open the ladder was out or something like that or ladder was in there whatever the case was and them not paying attention to her um, maybe it was because they went on a goose chase for all the lies that Casey was spitting at them then another person that Jose brought in was somebody who was actually in the search party for Kaylee, Crystal Holloway. Um, she also played like River Cruise or something like that. Um, I'm just going to call her Miss Holloway uh, for now. Apparently, she came forward at the trial and said that her and um, George were having an affair during this time and that he had confided in her about what happened in the swimming pool. But here is the weird thing. During the trial, you can hear Jose saying that it was an accident that snowballed out of control. But while Miss Holloway was up on the stand, she said, quote, George confided in her and said that it was an accident that snowballed out of control. I know there's a lot of sayings out there um, that people say the same, but I know that I have not used the term an accident that snowballed out of control before. So two people connected to the same trial saying the same thing doesn't really add up. Um, or more so, is it just a coaching thing? Because 
That's a phrase Jose uses, not George Anthony. A backing up thing for this, because um, she did say that she, you know, came forward just because, but she did sell her story to the National Enquirer. Let me throw that out there. But she wasn't really known as a reliable person. The only thing that really backed up the statement was a text that she had received from George Anthony that said, I miss you and I need you in my life. So when he's questioned about this, he does confirm that he did meet Miss Holloway during the search. And he said that with everyone who was out searching for his granddaughter, he met so many of them and they all were very special to him. And he said it almost is like a family because they were all out looking for my granddaughter. I became very close to them. And he was like, and although I may have sent that text, I sent that text to many of the volunteers that were out looking for my grandbaby because I appreciated them and I did need them in my life. Whether he had this affair or not, I don't see him like if that is what happened with Kaylee, I don't see him confiding into somebody. Um, I feel like you could take her word just as much as you could take the word from one of the cellmates that talked about Casey Anthony. Um, I just don't think it's very reliable at this point. I just think that they needed another person to be like, yeah, this happened. Um, but what I can say is also like if she knew that Kaylee had drowned in the swimming pool, why was she out searching with everyone else to looking for little Kaylee? It just does not add up. And why would he confide in somebody that he had just met for a search and rescue for his granddaughter? And he's like, oh yeah, by the way, like she is dead. She drowned in the pool. Um, let's have an affair and me tell you all about this. Um, and know that you're not going to go and turn this in when there was even a reward out. Like, I just don't see that happening. I feel like if that was the case, she would even came forward for that reward. I mean, especially since she's selling it to the National Enquirer. Jose goes on to say that everything in this case is very circumstantial and that there's not much like actual evidence, which is bullshit. Um, but anyways, he brings Mr. Crunk back to the story. And if you guys remember, he is the guy who called it in three times that he's seen Kaylee's remains. Um, he is the meter reader who was out in that wooded area. So now Jose is trying to say that this man found her remains and hid them. And then once there was reward money, he scattered them and, or he placed them in that certain spot and called it in. And his reasoning behind this is he says that the day, the first day of the first call, um, he was out with a couple of his buddies that he worked with. And when they were out in these woods, one of the guys said, man, this would be a good place to hide a body. And then around this time, Mr. Crunk said, yeah, it really is. And then he went out into the woods to pee. And then when he came back, he told them, guys, I think I seen a skull. And then they found the rattlesnake. Um, but I feel like that's more circumstantial than any other evidence of Google searches on a computer. Are you fucking kidding me? But it goes even further than that. He says that that is where he decides to plant the body. So it's not actually there right at that time. 
um, he says that the next time he calls, the second time, is maybe when he planted the body and called for somebody to come and see it. And then when they never did, time passed, the area was flooded. Jose also says that that was one of the first places that, you know, people out on foot looking would have looked. And like, yeah, probably. But during that time, like we said, it was so flooded from all the tropical storms and hurricane at the time that they wouldn't have seen a body. They wouldn't have seen the remains. They wouldn't have seen anything, especially since it was in the bag as well. And that is in December when when Mr. Crunk has his supervisor call. Um, the thing is, is like, yeah, you might be thinking like, that's so circumstantial. Like they can't just pinpoint that on him. The hard thing about it is when they first asked him if he had touched the remains, he said no. And although he never did, there's the fact that he did use his meter stick to lift the bag to like make sure that's what he found. He then said that he was still unsure. And guys, at this point, he's already called the cops twice and one of the times they came out, you remember, they slipped and fell. And then they are just like, this is bullshit. She's not out here. Like, it's probably just trash. So, yeah, he wanted to make sure of this. Um, and we don't know what the remains looked like at that time. So, apparently, he then took his meter stick and put it into her eye socket, which is very disturbing. But just to try to lift it to make sure that's what it was. Um, but because of this, it makes him look very stupid and very guilty. But even though some of the things are like circumstantial, not the evidence of the growth and the plant life growing through and around the remains. The remains were there the entire time. I don't understand how somebody could say that this man scooped up the remains, took them somewhere, and then went and planted them somewhere else. It doesn't make sense. And still, why does that have, why would that change anything when it comes to the Anthony still putting duct tape on this baby, putting her in a bag and then in a couple trash bags and dumping her somewhere regardless? But to Jose, he says, Roy Crunk's car broke down the day before and was going to cost a lot of money, so he really needed the reward money, even though his own client was selling pictures of her baby and some pictures she was even autographing and selling. How sick is that? And then Casey is back at it with the waterworks as the closing arguments are being done and the statements from Jose are saying, this is someone's life on the line. Yeah, it was Kaylee's life. Tells them that Casey's life is on the line and that it's up to them. And Casey is crying. She has the waterworks again. She doesn't cry when it's the prosecutors talking about how Kaylee's body was just thrown into this wooded area like people threw their trash from their cars. She was crying when it was... Jose talking about her life on the line. But before we wrap up the trial, we definitely have a couple more uh, witnesses. For one, the real Jeff Hopkins. So get this, Jeff Hopkins was a guy who went to school with Casey since middle school. And he's put on the stand and like knew her from back in school. 
He did work at Universal Studios for one year, but it was before Casey had ever even worked there. They never worked there together. He had not seen Casey since they had graduated. And after that, he only seen her once when he bumped into her at a restaurant. He was there with other people. He bumped into her. They exchanged numbers. How are you? Blah, 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 blah. You know, that type of ordeal. From there, he said the only time he got a text from her was when she was promoting a nightclub like the Fusion Club on Friday nights. And he said it was always like in a mass text with tons of other people. So it wasn't like they were actually like texting back and forth or anything like that. He never lived in Jacksonville. He never lived in North Carolina. And he also does not know Zanny or nor does he have a son, Zachary, whatsoever. Um, so from there... Of course, the defense, Jose has to get up and say, you know, well, did you have a crush on her in middle school? And he's like, I, you know, I, I I can't really say. And he's like, well, you can't or you won't. And it's almost like he's trying to say like, because of an old school crush, kind of like a movie, like, oh, this is a boy that used to like her. Now he's trying to ruin her life when he's like, he has nothing to do with this. Like he was just somebody she fabricated into the story. And Then he starts asking questions. Well, do you know Zenaida? Do you know this person? Do you know Juliet Lewis? I would have loved to see Juliet Lewis take the stand, by the way. Um, And, you know, he's like, no, 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 of course, because he doesn't know any of these people that she's fabricated. And he's trying to suggest that Jeff Hopkins is a different person and that there's another Jeff Hopkins because that makes a lot of sense Um, and that they just were never able to track him down because that makes a lot of sense too. It's so stupid. Then in came the different forensics. Um, The first one was the person that looked at the trash and also actually seen the car and gathered stuff from the car um, saying that he has smelled the scent of a decomposing body at least 30 to 40 times and that he automatically recognized it and that it's a scent you will never forget. He then went on to be questioned by Jose who asked him why all the trash was dried out and he said well when we take an evidence like that we do dry out all the trash it's protocol and he was like well it could have just been the smell of trash and the guy's like no it was the smell of a uh, decomposing body and he's like well, we'll just never know. And it's it's so stupid. It's like Jose like is saying he's smarter than this forensics guy who has looked at these evidence and has smelled a decomposing body more than a handful of times, you know, like it's so stupid. But I can say the next one is where it really gets the uh, prosecutors because Apparently the woman that did like the whole DNA testing on the hair and said that it was from a decomposed body and that it matched the hair from the hairbrush of Kaylee's. Um, Apparently in a previous case, she said that a strand of hair had matched the DNA of a man and put him away um, in prison for a while and come to find out it was her mistake and it was not him and the Innocence Project are the people who got him out of prison. Long story short, she put somebody away um, who was innocent. And so that really hurt this case. Two other forensic people were brought to the stand. The first one was the one that did like the testing of like air particles in the back of the trunk. And he said that when he got these samples, when he opened them, the smell of a decomposing body hit him so strong. And he is somebody who is very used to it because he works 
at a cadaver farm, which is what it sounds like. Um, so he's very used to that scent, but he also is the one that stated it was a very high substance of chloroform. But another person that the defense put on the stand was another person that looked at the air particles as well and said that it was actually mainly just gasoline, but that some chloroform could have been in the mix. Many more witnesses came on the stand, um, but it all really came down to the evidence of the trunk. And although these tests were done by forensics and this last the last one who said that it was mainly gasoline, he did testify that his testing was not as advanced as the first one, which really hurt the uh, defense because it was pretty much just like rolling out his testing of it mainly being gasoline and that it was in fact chloroform. So it is very strange. Um, but it all just came down to that, the air particles, so the smell of the decomposing body, the chloroform, and also the hair. But keep in mind with the hair, there was several hairs found in the car and only one of them had the like death banding on it. So it was hard to say because these are all visual tests. So it was hard to say if that was an accurate visual analysis or not. Um, so when it comes to those things, a lot of them are very circumstantial and that is obviously what ruined this case for the prosecutors. What also hurts the prosecution is the fact that there is a diary journal um, entry from June 21st. And on one of these pictures, you just see the one page and it says, June 21st, I have no regrets, just a bit worried. I just want for everything to work out okay. I completely trust my own judgment and knew that I made the right decision. I just hope that the end justifies the means. I just want to know what the future will hold for me. I guess I will soon see. This is... This is the happiest that I've been in a very long time. I hope that my happiness will continue to grow. I've made new friends that I really like. I've surrounded myself with good people. I am finally happy. Let's just hope that it doesn't change. But if you look at the picture as a whole and not just zoomed up on the journal page, you will see that it says every day is a new beginning. And it also says like, um, seize the day, you know, kind of like a motivational thing. But up in the corner on the other side of the page, it says 03, like this was written in 2003. So before any of this happened. So it just doesn't make sense that I don't, I don't understand how they got by with using this when it literally says over the side 03. And it does hurt the defense. And it does make you look at it like they were pulling at strings at this point. I think everybody was grasping for straws, though, like trying to uh, piece together anything like trials normally are. But um, with this, a lot of things were just circumstantial. There was a couple times where the defense tried to say that she all of a sudden was not fit enough to stand trial um, after all of this because they were like, they really did not know what direction this was going to go. But the judge was just like, she's went through psychiatric e evaluation and stuff. She's fine. We're moving on with this. And on July 4th is when the jury started deliberation. And the next day, July 5th, they had their verdict and they found her guilty of four counts of lying to the police, but everything else they threw out. She's not charged for child neglect, child endangerment, nothing. And what is really crazy about this is the fact that the uh, Florida DFS 
Child Protective Services was like, we found her guilty of child neglect. And they said that it is her fault because her daughter was missing for 31 days and didn't say anything. Um, so they said that it was her fault in the end. So it is crazy that she got off with not doing any of that. And then the judge did tell her that she was going to have to pay $1,000 per count. So $4,000 and she would serve four years, um, one year for each year or one year for each count of lying to the police. And since she had already been in jail for three years, um, the rest she got off on good behavior. And on July 11th, this woman walked scot-free out. Casey not only had to pay the $4,000 fine, but on top of that, in the fall of that year, the state of Florida was very pissed off at the fact that um, they spent so much money looking for Kaylee when she was never missing and Casey knew that she was not missing. Um, and because of that, they totaled up that the, the search for Kaylee cost over $500,000. So Casey was then fined $218,000 to pay um, back at least that much on the search since the whole time she knew Kaylee was not missing. Also, if you remember, Cindy Anthony went into the EcoSearch people, the search and rescue team, who also put in a significant amount of money into the search, and they said that that, could have, that money could have went to somebody who was actually missing. So they did sue Casey Anthony, and ultimately they came to a decision and made a deal of $75,000. I do want to touch base on some theories, but I do just want to throw out there real quick um, that some other really messed up things here is that one of the people that were working on her legal team um, claimed that during the trial and before her trial, Jose and Casey Anthony were um, somewhat of an item and that her legal fees, she was paying in sexual favors, and that at one point when he showed up at his at Jose's office, Casey came running out of his office in just her underwear giggling. And at another point in time, she was supposed to do like an interview of some sort, and she backed out of it. And this guy said that he was present when he heard Jose look at her and say, you owe me three BJs for that. So classy. Another thing I wanted to mention is at the Anthony's home on their computer, there was also a Firefox browser that was not looked into in the investigation from the prosecutors. Um, and what they did miss and that they found out about in 2012 is that on the Firefox, there was a search the last day that Kaylee was last seen for foolproof suffocation on the computer and the Firefox search. Somebody who did know about this was Jose because, like the prosecutors, he had a team go in and look at this computer or drive as well, and he had them look into the Firefox, so he knew all along. So if you guys want to know the real MVP dirtbag here, there you go, Jose. But how that information would have made a difference in the verdict, we will never know. Casey went on with her life in Florida. She works for a private detective doing online searches. She's pretty good at that. 
um, and looking into people, I guess, online. At one point, she tried doing her own photography business and even made a Twitter page or something for it. But of course, everybody was on there saying, baby killer, and you killed your daughter, and it got shut down very fast, and she is no longer doing photography. You would think that this person would be like trying to stay under the radar, but she is not. She has made it very known that she has always been a big OJ Simpson fan and supporter. And there has been rumors of her teaming up with OJ to do a reality TV show because I guess that's the trash TV that we need in our life um, to very guilty people. On top of that, there has also been stories um, out there or rumors about her selling her story for a movie and maybe we will see that at some point it blows my mind though it really does and also what i would like you guys to know too is that she actually doesn't have much to do with her family her brother lee does not want anything to do with her he i assume thinks she is guilty and her own father does not have anything to do with her he says that casey should be in prison for what happened to kaylee and they actually did an interview, Cindy and George together. And um, Casey, I guess, uh, before this time, had come forward and done her first interview in 2017 after all of this. And they asked her, like, what happened to her daughter? And she literally said, I don't know. It's like, I thought she drowned. You don't know? And they're just like, well, there's talk about like her drowning. And she was like, I don't know. And it doesn't matter what happened or whatever happened. People are going to have their theories. And it's like, you could have just said she drowned if that was what your defense was going off of because she didn't drown, did she? It's, it definitely is mind blowing. She also says that she is happy and that she sleeps pretty well at night. Literally said that. Um, that audio is actually played for Cindy and George and George is just astounded. Like he's just like, I haven't had a good night's sleep in years. And I know that Cindy didn't sleep for so long after all of this. It just blows his mind. But he does say that he thinks his daughter deserves to be in jail. And that when he's asked, like, is his daughter a killer? Cindy just says, do you think that she killed Kaylee on purpose? And he's like... I don't think on purpose, but I do think she was involved and I think others were involved as well. And that because of that, she should be in jail for the time of that. And I agree. I completely agree. And he still is denying everything said about the allegations towards him and um, the whole drowning story as well. Like, no, he's not standing for it. And it blows my mind that that was considered like the truth when the other person involved in that him being him said that's not true i would have never done that um cindy although i don't think she has like too much to do with her daughter there was like a photo i guess circling around of her and casey both wearing vials around their neck of kaylee anthony's ashes so she is still somewhat in her daughter's life and she cannot believe or she won't believe that her daughter intentionally wanted to kill her granddaughter. But it is very messed up. I I definitely will be shocked if there is um, a reality show with Casey Anthony or even a movie that comes out on Kaylee about Kaylee's story. And from what I have seen in interviews as well, George Anthony said that if she tries to sell the story and include his name and himself in it, um, he will seek legal actions. 
And although Cindy said at first she wouldn't, when the name O.J. Simpson was brought up, she said, if that's the case, yes, I would seek legal action as well. So I don't blame them in this situation at all. I know there is much more. You guys, if you guys are interested, you guys can look further into the reality TV show and um, newest news about, because I think there was even some more news here recently about her selling um, her story for like a Lifetime movie or something like that. You guys can check that out. This episode is long enough, but I promised last week that I would get this um, episode up for you guys. So I still wanted to do that. It took me much longer to record than <laughs> and edit than what these normally do. So um, I've had to record this part in two separate days to get it done. So um, my final thoughts on the thing is I 100% think that Casey was involved with Kaylee's death. Um, and I think the foolproof suffocation is right there. Like, guys, you can't. You cannot say that she did not have anything to do with this. I'm kind of like George, though. Like, when it comes to the chloroform and stuff like that, like, I don't know how to make chloroform, obviously. Um, but I don't think Casey does either. And I think maybe she had looked into it and was like, oh, shit, I can't do that. But that doesn't mean that she couldn't have contacted somebody or looked for somebody who could do it. I mean, she had connections. Another theory is that um, the nickname Zanny for the nanny could have also been a nickname for the drug Xanax, and maybe she was buying Xanax at these little clubs because they were known to be um, places where Xanax was being sold illegally, but maybe she was you know, breaking up some pieces of Xanax and giving that to her daughter and maybe just accidentally overdosed her is some of the theories. Again, these are theories. Um, Another theory some people think is maybe that she left Kaylee in the car and it's so hot in Florida. You guys see all the time how kids die in cars because they're forgotten. But also people are saying another theory of what if she was giving her Xanax to make her go to sleep and then leaving her in her car while she went in and partied and then came back out and she suffocated in the car or was overdosed. Uh and honestly, nothing at this point with this case would surprise me anymore. Um, I do think Casey was 100% involved with this. Whether I believe everything, all any of the facts from the prosecutors or the defense, I do think bottom line is that Casey was involved with this. And one way or another, everyone in America knew this girl was guilty. And if you don't think that she was guilty of the actual act of Kaylee dying, she was very guilty of child neglect and she was not a good mother. It blows my mind that she did not get any time for child neglect. That will always make me so mad. If she wasn't going to get murder because of circumstantial evidence, she should have gotten child neglect. She did not report her baby missing for 31 days. And even at 31 days, she did not report her daughter missing. Her parents did. She did not care about that baby. And that is child neglect. I feel like people are put in jail all the time for child neglect. People get their kids taken away from them all the time for child neglect. But it's like this, your kid's gone for 31 days. Come to find out you covered up her death and you're not going to get anything for child neglect. That, it, it, it infuriates me. 
Since this part is already so long, I am going to wrap it up here. Um, there will be the blog today. You guys can also check out my Instagram at Caffeine Crime Podcast. And if you want to discuss it further, or if you have theories, you can always find me over there. I am I'm not an arguer, guys. I'm not going to argue. I know usually I just try to stay like unbiased with cases and just be like, you know, these are the facts. I mean, it's like the Madeline McCain and, you know, that type of ordeal, like uh, John Bonet Ramsey, different things like this, where with those cases, no, I can't actually, I can't say the parents did this. You know, with the Madeline McCain, it, it's hard for me because of all the different things that I've watched. I've seen some where it makes the parents look like they really do or that they really were involved. But then other ones, it looks like they were just innocent and that their child was abducted, you know. And then the same thing with, you know, the Ramses. At one point, I can see where some people would think that they were involved. And then more and more I watch, the more and more shows come out now, I'm just like, well, God, was it Intruder? That show didn't mention this. So it, those cases are always up in the air for me. I'm not going to sit here and say, and even though when I'm telling those cases, I know I got some backlash for them. Um, I do just want you guys to know when it comes to these cases, I always, if there's not a guilty person, I always look at them as circumstantial. Like, yes, they could have done it. It's always like a doubt in my mind. Like you just never know with anybody. Parents kill their kids all the time and it is so awful that at this point, I it would be hard for me to not believe that they could have done it. I, I just want to leave it at that. But with this case, this case, I am like, I know Casey was involved. This case, my theory is that she was involved. It is just my opinion. It is not a statement. But I want to say this case more so than any cases... I'm not willing to fight you on it, but I just feel like there's no way of getting around the fact that she was somehow involved. We may not know exactly how this little girl died, but it was foul play. There was duct tape on her. She was put in a bag and thrown away like trash into a wooded area. Casey was involved in one way or another. But I'm going to leave it there, guys. I will be back next week with our next episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. No, they're very long, so I appreciate if you've listened all the way through. It's a tough one. If you have babies, hold them closer today. And it's sad to know that there are parents like this out there that are so neglectful. Thank you guys for listening. And I will see you guys next week with Season 3, Episode 6. Bye.